You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 14th, episode 3137. Good morning, horse world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. That's right. Welcome to Endurance Day here on Horses in the Morning. We appreciate you all stopping by. I know Karen has some avid fans that listen in every month. And and then we also have heard from a lot of people over the past who will never ride endurance, but like hearing about the crazy people that do. So <laughs> I, I think we have a little bit of both in this audience. Karen, I've been kind of holding out. We, we've talked a little bit about the weather that California's been getting. Now, you're not in California, but you're really close. I am uh, right there. Yes, yeah, exactly. You're right kind of on, on the border. border. In so, fact, it's funny when you see the, the national news does the maps with the weather. They have the state line for Nevada and California, and they show the weather for California, and it's like they cut it off right at the state line <laughs> as if the storms just stop and yeah. don't come over. Like, we're right over here, people. <laughs> we're still getting all the weather. It still keeps coming. <laughs> yeah, the only thing people know about your state is Las Vegas. I mean, let's be honest. I know. <laughs> it's like, exactly. If it's not happening no, in Vegas, it doesn't happen. Exactly. <laughs> we're on the other side of the Sierras. We're at 5,000 feet elevation, so we get... Lots of weather here. It's high desert, but we still we've gotten more snow this year, I think, than we remember ever having here in the valley in the last thirty over thirty years. It's been interesting because every month over this winter, it's been whether we do this episode or not has been determined on whether you're going to have power. So I mean, Power and internet. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I know. So what's we're, it been like? Uh, you know, we're hearing about flooding in California through many of the towns in California, and then the record snows in the mountains, even above Los Angeles there. So what's what's the story? You're, you're near the Sierras, right? Is that – do I have I, that correct? I'm looking – I can look right out my window and see the Heavenly Valley ski runs which on are the on, side of, in, uh, on, on the, the Sierras. On the Sierras, right? kind of yes. on the east side of the Sierras. Or yes? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm on the side. And uh it, yeah, it's been quite interesting. This you know, and we moved down here to the valley from living up at the top of Kingsbury Grade on top of the mountain. And I am so thankful that we are not living up there this year because there there's no like Palisades Tahoe has reported that they've had something like fifty-four feet of snow. How do you and, what do you <laughs> yeah, where do you put it yeah, off? I mean, do you, can you even see your house anymore? I mean, like... I know there and roofs are collapsing. Um, two supermarkets have closed down. 
um, because of safety concerns of the roofs. Oh, let's see the big flat um, roofs. Yeah, I can see that. We had a f- flat roof yeah. at our house in Pennsylvania, oh. and we were always having trouble with it. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking like this one ski resort says 648 inches of snowfall this season. <laughs> so it's 162% of average. And now it's been warming up this new atmospheric river. You know, they've got all these new I, names. I know. It's, it's funny how they've invented so many new names for weather. <laughs> yeah. So it's coming in and it's wet and it's warmer. So now it's adding weight to all the snow. And a lot of people just, I mean, most of us should not be up on top of a roof trying to shovel several feet of snow off to begin with. And then we get the ice dams that are building up underneath. So it's icy underneath the snow. So it's extremely dangerous to be shoveling snow off of some of these roofs. I mean, I I saw a video yesterday. Somebody had a snowblower on top of their roof and they were shoveling the snow into the snowblower to try to clear (laughs) some of the snow off of the roof. So, and your roofs up there, you know, you're in the mountains. Your roofs are made for holding a lot of snow, but not this much snow. Right. And when it gets this heavy and wet, then um, you run the risk of um, not just the ice dams building up and then it starts to seep, it starts to get underneath your shingles and then make its way inside. And that can do a lot of damage. So I think I predict there's going to be a lot of real estate for sale up at Lake Tahoe (laughs) and in the Carson Valley for anybody (laughs) that might be interested in that. (laughs) Well, and then in California, we've just started the snow melt. They always have flooding if there's a big snowpack in the mountains, uh, you know, when it starts to melt and the rivers right. overflow and it floods. And uh-huh. we're just starting with that now. I mean, I know, yeah. And we have whole towns underwater. Really bad the next two or three days. And then there's another storm coming behind this one, they say now. And it's like, really, this is just like a abuse it's weather abuse <laughs> can we call the drought over at least for a while um i think so for a while <laughs> oh my gosh what about yeah. tevis now getting back to endurance i i assume uh-huh. one anybody who lives in california or your area is going to be delayed in in trying to get the horses legged up and there and there might because of damage be some rides postponed it is i mean i was working so hard to get jovi ready i was going to take him there was an endurance ride this past weekend i was going to take him to and it got canceled so yeah, it's already um, started. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah, it's the it's frustrating because you know every so often we do have these kind of years that are we call them like the wet years where the rides, even though you still might be able to do them, it's still going to be pretty hairy as far as the trail conditions go. And and um, yeah, I don't envy the. The people dealing with the trail maintenance and stuff for the Tevis ride because um, they're they're going to have their hands full, no doubt, n- no matter how it how it goes. Because I'm sure they're not just buried in snow, but um, we had some bad wildfires in the la- you know last year and previous years, and so those burn scars. Um, they're just going to wash the mud's all going to wash do. away, yeah. <laughs> and that's why, like, the highways keep closing everywhere because it it washes all this debris and mud out onto the highway, and so well, and they have a lot of river crossings and things there anyway. So they do yeah. have one river river crossing, and they were talking about like the Western States Run 
using uh, uh, rafts for the runners to get across the river. Well, what what do you do with that many horses? <laughs> you can't really put them on a raft. There you go. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, we're talking about an event that happens, what, in August. Uh, yet, you know, this is pr- going to be so bad, it's still something that they have to deal with sooner to get the trails clear right. if, they're, if exactly. they can. And yeah. yeah, everybody needs to be able to get in and out of all the vet checks and there needs to, um, you know, be access and, and, and that sort of thing. And I, and I know they work every year, they work really hard on getting the trail prepared and, and ready. So it, it's going to be, this year's going to be a real challenge, no doubt, no matter how you look at it. <laughs> all right. Well, you did have the, the uh, Endurance Association did have a conference since we, the national conference, since we talked last. It was right here in Florida. And of course, they always make some award winning announcements. You want to tell us about those? Yes, we did do the Hall of Fame awards and some other awards. And I'll just go through the list. For Hall of Fame person, we have Otis Schmidt, who is a Right veterinarian in the southeast region, and Kathleen Hinkle, who is the executive director. I'm not really sure exactly what her title is, but she basically runs the office and everything in Auburn, California. And she has for quite a few years, many, many years. We have the Hall of Fame horse, which is Haji. Halif Omar, owned by Stephanie Duras, and and we've had her on as a guest once before previously. And the Partners Award, which is one of our guests this morning, Cindy Bradley and Bogard Tucker. The Ann Parr Trails Preservation Award went to Nancy Slice. The Volunteer Service Award, Chuck and Pam Stolly which they uh, check is the right manager for the Tavis currently. And the Stollies also uh, are ride managers for the very popular cash Creek ride. And we had them on. Yes, yeah. they've all been, they've been on and uh, the Charlie Barrio equine photography award went to Becky Kirshner Perman. And I'm sorry if I, butchered any of those names people but uh congratulations to everybody well we've had we have cindy bradley coming on the show today she's uh Mm -hmm. she was the winner what's the partners award what what's that for okay the partners award is for uh it's for people i'll just uh, go over the description really quick. The rider and horse perform together as a mutually bonded team. Rider and horse engender a spirit of friendship, enthusiasm, and championship that makes those around them glad to have attended the ride. However competitive they may be, good sportsmanship remains their first priority. Horse and rider take care of each other. Together, horse and rider personify the prevailing and abiding goal of AERC to finish is to win. This award was established to honor the late May Shegel. The recipient receives a keepsake plaque and the names of the partners are engraved on a perpetual trophy. And the cool thing about Cindy winning it this year, she's 81. 
So uh, she will be tomorrow. Yeah. It's her birthday oh, tomorrow. There you go. Well, yeah, we'll get to win- wish her a happy birthday today. Uh-huh. Plus, you have we had a wag. We had a World Equestrian Games for Endurance that happened in Ab- Abu Dhabi, and uh, that happened in the last month. And we had last month on we had uh, Karen and Jessica on who were competing there, and we're having them back to talk about it. Uh, we had one rider finish from the United States, uh, Cheryl Van Dusen. She uh, finished, and then Karen and Jessica going to talk to us about what it was like to ride over in in the Middle East and tell us all about their adventures that happening over uh, that happened over there. Before we get to your tip, there was one other thing I saw you uh, posting <laughs> about. Is uh, tell us about the animal you have living in your neighborhood that you didn't realize. Well, well somebody posted on next door that their hyena had gotten out. <laughs> and- <laughs> Henry the one, hyena. One lie. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and I'm like, oh, so I looked up the gal and she really is like literally around the corner, three or four houses from me. <laughs> I mean, they do Where, not look like friendly animals. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I looked it up and I read a little bit about them. And I guess if you train them from the time they're cubs and very young they can actually bond with you really well and and with dogs um and so fortunately henry did make his way back home but (laughs) um i'm kind of wondering gosh were there a few cats in the neighborhood missing uh i no i don't think so (laughs) they they say though if they get trained and they're in captivity from a very young age they don't really learn their hunting skills, mm. so they want that canned food, not the uh, not the living kind. But I mean, gosh, it's a, <laughs> it's still an animal, a wild animal that you're not really sure you you really want around your other animals. So is it legal to it, own a hyena? It it is in Nevada. It's only one of four states, of course, where it is legal, <laughs> of course. But yeah, I in Texas I mean, and Florida, we, the three states. Yeah, I know we have ostriches in the neighborhood. Everybody loves the ostriches and brings them their, you know, leftover produce and stuff. And and we've got all the regular animals, whether it's like llamas or goats and geese and chickens and all that but nobody had any idea that there was a hyena which is kind probably a good thing that we didn't know because (laughs) that means that they're keeping him safe and secure um but yeah i kind of wonder what my horse's reaction might have been because i mean we have bears all the time go through where my horse paddocks are i know because i pick up the bear scat every summer but um i i wouldn't even know what hyena um poop looks like so (laughs) i don't know (laughs) so we stayed when we were in wellington last weekend we camped at the lion country safari campground and the Lion Country Safari uh, is just what it says. It's a drive-through safari, and they have all kinds of animals, but of course they have a bunch of lions. And it was interesting every day and every night hearing the lions roar because they were wow. they were right beside where the campground is, is where their you know their fields and stuff were. Um, and uh, there was wow, hearing lions roar and then a couple of them go at it is uh, is kind of an eerie feeling and much louder than you would expect. <laughs> So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of an eerie feeling waking up in the middle of the night and hearing lions roaring. All right, let's get to your endurance tip. Uh, we're talking about food, right? 
Well, food and and just some basic, simple little camping kind of tips for people that want to go to endurance rides or go on a camp out with their horses. Okay. So so I thought, oh, I'll just write down a few little tips of things that that I've done over the years to kind of make things a little bit easier for myself when I'm camping. And the first one is to use, um, they now make silicone storage bags that you can store your food in and the nice thing with this with these being that they're silicone is that you can put them into like a pot of boiling or hot water so if you want to pre-make some soup or stew or spaghetti pasta or even stuff like ribs or chicken you can toss it into a, a pot of boiling water to warm it up and and then use that like on a camp stove. So even those that don't have a fancy living quarters with microwaves and convection ovens and all that sort of thing, just a simple camp stove where you can just turn on a pot of water, you can heat up a whole meal using those silicone baths. I don't think I've seen those. I have to take a look. Yeah, they're they're kind of handy and then they're reusable. So, um but they can be heated, you know, they can be boiled, they can be put in a microwave or whatnot and then you can just sort of fold it up and um put it away for when you get home, you can you know, take care of cleaning it back up and reuse it again a hundred times over. Um, Another tip is to use like a mason jar. And of course, Tupperware works too. I kind of like jars because of the glass. So you can put your, uh, like make a salad, pasta meals, cut up fruits and veggies, and you can eat directly out of the jar. And then if you're sitting outside and you want to get up for some reason, you can just put the lid back on and, and keep it clean and free from getting any insects or roaming dogs into your food. (laughs) Um, Another tip that I always liked that saved me a lot of money buying ice over the years is I use two liter soda bottles or a milk jug. You just rinse them out, fill them up with water and freeze them ahead of time and then put those in your um, ice chests or your coolers and it keeps everything cold. Your ice, you know, now you're not going to have ice melting, which can kind of make a mess of things. So as it melts, you also have another supply of water to use as you go, which is sort of nice. So it keeps everything neat and clean and the, the solid ice from the bottles keeps everything cold for days literally if you've got it i used to use a really nice big ice chest before i got a um, fancy enough to get a living quarters with a real refrigerator in it so that's a nice tip to not just save you money but keep things kind of neat and clean and give you an uh an extra supply of water for drinking or for whatever you might need it for um and then the final tip is if you're allowed to make a campfire where you're camping is to ahead of time. And this is kind of a useful tip for if you want to recycle and reuse stuff is I saved my toilet paper rolls that, you know, those little brown cardboard center pieces that are in each toilet paper roll. Yeah, yeah. Sa- save those and then save your dryer lint and stuff the dryer lint in the toilet paper rolls. Oh, and, and, and- you- 
Oh, we talked about this in the show about how dryer lint's so good for uh, starting uh-huh. fires. And and it's yeah, and then just shove a few of those into a baggie and throw them in your horse trailer, and now you've got a really good fire starter. This one lady was using them to stuff her pillows, and I was like, "Ugh." Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, my my, I think most of my dryer lint is probably horse and dog yeah, hair. Exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, theoretically, it's clean because it went through the washer. But you know, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> theoretically, theoretically. <laughs> yep. Well, those are great tips. I I never thought about a couple of those. Those are great tips. We do a lot of camping, so you know that's perfect. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, let's get to our first guest today. As always, we have Kristen joining us from Distance Depot. And today we're going to talk about something that you all are going to be needing this spring, rain gear. Exactly. In fact, California probably needs it right Right now. now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good morning, Kristen. We have Kristen joining us from the Distance Depot this morning to tell us about, we're going to talk about rain gear for our horses and riders yes uh, good morning <laughs> to everyone um we i think we might have touched on this a little bit here not too long ago but we do have a lot of rain gear um and waterproof equipment we have a durable water repellent too so if some of your equipment is getting older um it's an aerosol spray that you can do about once a year to revive Does your that stuff really work I don't know. I've used it on boots before. I've not used it on a blanket. Okay. And and it helped my boots for sure. All right. So, I mean, that's they say to do it about once a year. And, um, you know, I think some of the products, too, are it, it, it depends on, on the original waterproof ability of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the water-resistant stuff, you're, you're not going to get too much out of. But you should get pretty good life out of, out of it if you use it on your waterproof equipment that really is waterproof. But um, we offer the Muddy Creek long raincoats and the Muddy Creek short raincoats. The long one is super big. It is designed to cover the entire rump of your horse, your saddle, your legs, and everything. So it's not a form-fitting jacket that you wear to town. Um, this is a big waterproof jacket to cover everything. So if you're one of those that hates to get wet, <laughs> that would be the raincoat. But they are big. Well, we often, they, they look like you should be riding on the range with that. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, they're more like a duster. Yeah. Um, so, but the, but they do the trick if you're not uh, flying along. If you're flying along, I'm going to recommend something like the Packaroo Duster. Um, it has leg straps, so it will stay secure. Vents in the back to go over your saddle too, and allow for a nice fit while you are riding. Um, waterproof and it actually folds up into a backpack which is kind of cool um so it's nice to store it that way and or you can carry it if you know you're going out and it's going to be raining or your crew can carry it easily and it just folds into itself it's so crazy but it's a pretty cool thing um and the short raincoats we just about sold out of those at convention um they have reflect properties on them so good for night riding mm-hmm. um and also you know to keep and that was and muddy creek also right muddy creek yep yeah. yep and we have a packable poncho too but it's more of that um waxy you know old style um poncho so it and again very big i really like the packaroo duster um for you know our endurance riders and trail riders that are doing the timed events 
And then for horses, we have, of course, we have a full uh, weather beta rain sheet cooler. So it's full head to toe coverage, which is really nice at the holds if it's pouring rain um, to try and keep your horse dry and maybe even your saddle. Um, I like we the all word try. <laughs> try. I know it. We all know how difficult that is know, when it's raining. It, once it- yeah, once it rains enough, it's that's uh-huh. it. You know, you're yep. gonna get it's, wet. It's, <laughs> you, everything is soaked. Your butt. You just yeah. mitigate it the best <laughs> exactly. you can. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we do have waterproof turnout sheets as well. Um, the cooler really is more just like a cover up, whereas the waterproof sheets and blankets, of course, um, that many of you already have, they're you know designed to be worn at the trailer or in a paddock where they will buckle up securely. Um, so lots of good stuff there. Um, we also have boots. We have the Ariat H2O waterproof boots, the Dublin Pinnacle, which is a tall boot. Those are waterproof as well. And then we're really excited. Finally, we've been waiting for a year <laughs> for Carrots to release their Trailblazer. It's a lace-up boot. Um, and we've heard um, through the grapevine, that these will be arriving within the next couple of weeks. So we will have those live as well. And they're a waterproof boot too. And the nice thing about these, they have a great heel and also really good traction for, um, you know, trotting out. And because I, I know some people think the, the I, I wore the terrains and they can get really slippery um, on the grass. And, you know, if you're running up and down hills. So we're excited about this carrots boot because it has a bigger, thicker tread um, to keep you a little more secure in the stirrup. So, yeah, some really good things. And what about rump rugs? Rump rugs, we do have a rump rug, too. It is, we used to have a waterproof one, but that one, unfortunately, has been discontinued. But the casual rump rug is water resistant, so it will keep um, you know, that hind end dry, mm-hmm. you know, until, <laughs> until it's so darn soaking that nothing's staying dry. Um, but it also has nice polar fleece on the underside against the horse. So really nice rump rug to, um, keep those hind end muscles warm. Okay. And how would somebody get in touch with you if they want to order some of this? Well, they can call us toll free 866-863-2349 or visit us at um, www.thedistancedepot.com. Our next guest is Cindy Bradley, and we're going to talk to her about her horse, Bogart Tucker. They just received the 2022 AARC Hall of Fame Partners Award from the AARC at the convention. And also Cindy and her horse, are also Century Club members, which means that the age of the horse and the rider add up to 100 or more. So uh, congratulations, Cindy, Cindy, and thank you for joining us this morning. How are you doing? Good. Thank you very much for all of that. (laughs) Karen, does this mean her horse is 80 and she's 20? Is that what that means? That's it. Um, the other unique thing I want to mention also about Cindy and Bo is that Bo is not an Arabian. He is a, uh, tell us about him, Cindy. He's a Morgan horse. In my life, I've always had Morgan's horses. My dad raised him. So I'm kind of uh, partial to them. And I, I got near- I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and so t- at a very young age, I got him at three months, 
And we've been partners ever since that time. And I really think the endurance is, brings people much closer to their horses than any other sport that you can get involved with. Uh-huh. And he's 24 years old now. Yes, he is. And we're just doing LDs now. He still loves it, but I don't want to push him any harder than that. And being my age, I don't want to go any farther than that anymore. I don't believe you one bit. You're still out there doing it, though. That's great. So give us a little bit more history on Bo. Well, I bought him from a friend that I did some training on Morgans with. when, And I went down to see his establishment and saw the colt and I said, oh, I was really interested. I said, is he for sale? He says, anything here is for sale. You know, typical man stuff. So I made him an offer, and I think you kind of regretted it. He said, okay. I said, everything was for sale. That's it. He's yours. And when I went to pick him up, it was kind of funny. It was about a week or so later, and he came out of his house and here was Bo following him. He had been in the kitchen with, with his <laughs> owner at that time. It was hilarious. And, you know, I got him really young because he, I, I think the owner didn't really want to sell him. And he said, well, he's gone now. And I brought him home when he was three months old. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, we, you know, I took him for walks. Uh, it, he had left an environment of more like a city, and so he was up here. And I took him for walks, and we went down and saw the creek, and we walked a little bit in the mountains. And soon he was old enough, really, and I ponied him for a while. And I think that's where he got to have his really fast walk, walk because he was young, and he had to keep up with the horse I was ponying him on. Had you ridden endurance before you got him? Yes, I did on a another Morgan and she was getting older. And so I kind of traded off very slowly. And then I also rode uh, Steve's horse on endurance for a while in the very beginning when, when Bo was young, I switched back and forth more than I did later on. So I know you have a story to tell about him, about uh, something to do with a veterinarian. So tell us that. Yep. Uh, he grew quite fast, and I, I try to keep up with the feeding program. But when I went to the vet, she said, you know, he didn't really have great confirmation or never has. He said, this horse is never going to do endurance. And I said, <laughs> oh. And I was a little bit heartbroken. So I just did 25s with him for quite a few years. And I could see that he was handling that just fine. So we upped it to 50s which I would have probably done 50s a lot sooner, but I was really worried that he couldn't do it. Well, he has over 7,000 miles of endurance now and only probably less than 1,000 LD miles, limited distance. So uh -huh. I think I think he made out quite well. I think so. <laughs> and so what, what are some of your favorite rides that you enjoy the most? Oh, I think I've always enjoyed the XP, the uh, duck rides, the most. Mm -hmm. it's, places, it's places that I would have never gone otherwise, you know, the Grand Canyon and, and places like that. And Sure, yeah. Um, Death Valley, which isn't going to, I guess that's not going to be anymore. So it's, it's places that I would have never seen. That's why I like those rides the best. Of course, I do do 
our little club rides up in Idaho City, you know, in Idaho. But my favorite is definitely getting around and seeing all those other places. Cindy, uh-huh. I got a question here. You, um, by the way, happy birthday a little early. Apparently, it's your birthday tomorrow. Uh, yeah. So you're you're, and I don't think it's a secret. You're turning eighty-one. So what what do you do to keep in shape? What do you do to keep in riding shape? Do you do it? Do you do anything particular? I try to do a lot of walking. Um, this time of year in Idaho, it's pretty hard. Um, I do do a little exercises, and I've had a knee replacement, so I have to keep up on, you know, physical fitness a little bit more than I probably would have if I didn't have the knee replacement. But basically walking and riding as much as I can, you know, slowly just trail rides and stuff like that. Gotcha. Okay. Good. It's funny because Karen did a post yesterday about getting older and, you know, and, you know, I just turned 62 and you do start to feel things. So you're still at 81. That gives us all hope, by the way. I'm just saying. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's how much you want to do it, I think, is what the reason is. And I want to keep riding. So I managed to be able to climb back on and go for it. And I think the riding helps a lot too, because there's a lot of muscles there that you don't use anyplace else. Oh, it's a full body workout. People that think that horse riding isn't really exercise, they need to get on a horse and go ride it 50 miles. Yeah, or 100 miles, (laughs) right, exactly. (laughs) Why? So, So this, we explained at the beginning of the show what this award was for and why this award exists. I'm going to ask you a tough question because it's going to make you think about yourself a little. Why do you think you want it? I, over, like I said, over the years of riding endurance, you become very close to your horse. And I honestly can say after the starter of any ride and the excitement and everything, when he calms down, I can basically at this point in his career and even for a few years prior, I can actually just do everything with voice commands and leg aids. If he settles down and I can tell him walk, trot, canter, whoa, I don't really have to use the reins and, you know, leg aids. But the funny story is he knows some of these trails so well. One day (laughs) I was about to make a mistake and Bo's no is always back up, back up, back up, nothing to hurt you just no we don't do that and he backs up (laughs) well he was more right i have backed up for so long i said okay smarty you go that way but you're wrong we got down the trail about a quarter of a mile and here are the ribbons and he was right and i had to say pat him and say good boy (laughs) (laughs) you know part of this award too uh is you. I mean, part of this is good sportsmanship. And uh, and and basically what the award basically says is it's somebody that you enjoy, that you, when you see them on the ride, you're happy they're there. Right. Uh, yeah. So, and I think you're from just little, I'm talking to you now, you seem the kind of person that you're just going to be friendly with everybody on the trail. That's correct. Yes. It's a sport I enjoy and those people enjoy it. So we have a lot in com- common. And yes, I'm mm-hmm. very, try to be friendly with everybody. And you mentioned that now you've got Bo where he's more manageable. Cause I remember you uh, riding him <laughs> and he was quite the little freight train for a while there. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it comes with age and years of doing this work. He knows there's no sense in wearing himself out in the first month. <laughs> <laughs> He still leaves, he still leaves that way, and probably some of it is the years and the age, and he comes down a lot quicker than he used to. Like I can so, remember following you down the trail, going, "Well, I want to slow down," and all he wanted to do is pass you. I know. I remember we were both hanging on. Yeah, we were. Slow down, slow down. I know. So, so is Bo one of the highest mileage Morgans in the sport? Yes, he is. Yeah. The last yes. time I talked to you was there are quite a few more Morgans, and I'm happy about it, doing endurance. So I don't know how long he'll hold that title, but yeah, he has been. Yeah, well, seven thousand miles is quite a quite a bit. That's how how many years have has he been doing this? Well, like I said, I started out with with uh -huh. twenty miles because I didn't know, but altogether this year, if if we do arrive this year, it'll be 20 years, and that includes the Elding Miles that I did in the beginning. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a pretty good long career. Congratulations. Yeah. And let's also just mention your husband briefly. Uh, Steve is a ride photographer. And yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And how long has he been doing that? For as long as I've been riding. That was how I got him to go. <laughs> I had a girlfriend that did endurance up here in Idaho, small endurance. And I knew that if I wanted to do this, I had to get him to come somehow. So she <laughs> said, well, bring him, up, bring him down and let him photograph my ride. It was in the beginning when there wasn't people photographing a lot of rides, at right. least in Idaho. Uh -huh. And so that's how he started. And we've looked back over some of the first pictures that he did. And they're kind of funny. He He learned along the way. It's not that he didn't know how to photograph horses because we did a lot of showing before that and he knew but endurance photographing is a lot different than showing photography. Sure. And I know he goes out of his way to find really good locations and spots to get the good shots. Yes, him and his motorcycle that has I don't know how many how many miles does it have on it now, Steve? 22,000 on his motorcycle that he goes out. To <laughs> He's got the highest mileage ride photographer motorcycle. <laughs> no so, doubt. No doubt. Well, Cindy, thank you for joining us this morning and congratulations again on your award and uh, give Bo a carrot and a hug for us. Okay. I will. Thank you so much for checking in with me. And our next guest this morning is Jessica DiCamillo. She uh, represented the United States, her and her mother, Karen, at the WAG last month. And uh, Jessica is joining us to give us a little bit of an update on how every all the events transpired. So welcome, Jessica. Hello. Hi. So uh, give us a little bit of an overview of how of what went down over there and what it was like to to get to ride in the Middle East. OK, Um so we got the horses over there, and they traveled really good, and we had, I think, what, a week to get the horses ready for race day, and it was actually good weather, you know, the, the couple days we were there beginning with, and we're like, okay, this is going to work out, and it just kept getting hotter and hotter, and we were, we were like, uh-oh, and as it kept getting hotter, the course kept getting drier, and 
and when the course got drier, that means it got less, it got sandier. And so we were a little worried about that because, I mean, it, you know, once you get heat and then you get deep sand, it's one of those like, okay, this is going to be a different kind of strategy. And race day actually ended up being the hottest day um, that we had been there. It was like 95 degrees and it was dry heat and we were, we were a little nervous about, okay, in, in the morning it wasn't too hot, but by the time, let's see, 10 o'clock rolled around it, it hit pretty hot on mm. us. And, you know, we were here in New Mexico. It's not that hot here yet. And, uh, you know, it's hard to, hard to compete uh, against horses that are in that heat already. And, you know, we came from body shade horses here in New Mexico. It was still snowing. And so we, we did the best we could, could do. Uh, we wish there was more water stations. Um, they kind of had eliminate limited the water stations. Like, you know, they made it where the crew points, this is the only places you could have water. And, uh, I felt like it should have been a lot more water when it got hotter in the day. I mm-hmm. was planning on it being that hot. And so my, our horses got a little toasty, but, um, things happened. I mean, I think there was 160 riders that started and only, 45 finished and so that tells you right off the bat that the course and the day was pretty difficult and what was the terrain like you were in Abu Dhabi right um yes Abu Dhabi so what was the terrain like was it just all sand hills or what you know did you have different terrain no it was all sand hills pretty much um maybe not hill like one one loop was felt like you're uphill the entire time and uh but no, it was just sand. And uh, earlier when we were training on it, because like I said, it was cooler and they had foggy mornings, which we went out and trained in the foggy morning. So that way our horses are used to fog. So we do not have fog like that in New Mexico. And the horses did really well. They did really well with the camels. They did well with the fog. And and the ground was really good. They had it graded. It was going to be really good footing. But, I mean, you can't plan on, you know, the heat sucking the moisture out of the ground and the ground not being as hard as what you had originally made it. And so it kind of got a little bit deeper and, um, I wouldn't say it was extremely deep, but you know, when you add, you add that into a hot day, it really adds up on horses a lot quicker. Well, yeah, we all know what it's like walking on the beach in deep sand, right? It wears you out. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you take yeah. one foot mm-hmm. step, but it feels like you're taking two. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other time, like uh, the OC, they, they set up a beautiful ride. I mean, they managed it really wonderful. And other than that, I mean, I just would say that the changes, you know, when, you know, you're planning on for Italy and <laughs> then it changes into the desert, it's one of those like, okay, we got to change our strategy, but, you know, it's hard to get the heat when the United States is the winner kind of thing. Yeah. So that was like, I think the most difficult thing for us to try to, you know, cause it's hard to get your horse in shape for a 95 degree day in dry heat. And so I think right. our next, hopefully the next time anything happens, you know, or in the next world or whatnot, you know, we'll be able to compete here in the States for what's going to happen wherever world is. I think they announced it in France in I don't know what month or whatnot, but I mean, we got, we have courses that would be like France. So that would be kind of exciting to go and represent again. 
So tell us what happened to each of your horses. What, um, you okay. know, why did you guys end <laughs> up getting, getting or not finishing or who did finish and give us that little bit okay. of news. Uh, so I had three of my horses go. And so mom and Marissa riding my other two and I was riding one of my other ones, Rocket. And so we were doing great. We got a, we got a wonderful start. Like, you know how it's always chaotic. We were, we were doing our thing over. We got over about 30 minutes before the start time. We got on board. We went over and we, we were doing our thing over in a little area and everybody's like loping around doing their thing and being, being commotionable over there. And it was funny. Like they had an air compressor machine and I guess they were airing up the tires. So then all of a sudden everybody started coming on our side because that air compressor machine was making lots of noise. And we're like, okay, stay focused, horses, stay focused. And they were, I was super excited and proud of them, how focused they stayed at the beginning of the ride. They're like, okay, mom, we'll just do our thing right here. We don't care about everybody else. And uh, they started counting down, 10, 9, and we're like, okay. And, like, last time I was there, when they counted down, like, at, you know, at 1, people were racing out of there. And, you know, when the horses are getting at my speed, you know, some are bucking, some are misbehaving. And we're like, well, we didn't want to get in the middle of that. But as a, as one hit, like, I guess they were on their far circle or whatnot of doing their, you know, their, their lap. And I was like, okay, well, let's go. And so we raced out the little pocket and I guess it was like a quarter mile stretch to like quarter mile stretch mile down until we got onto like the trail where it kind of got a little bit narrower. And so we kind of like popped our horses out across the line and got back over to the right and, and, uh, just kept going and it's dark and, uh, the ho- everybody else just, you know, they were, they were doing their commotion on the far left and our horses are like, okay. Like they would look over there like, well, that's a bunch of yahoos over there kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, it's like a NASCAR start, right? Like a yeah, NASCAR. <laughs> exactly. Well, the there's got car- we got cars for our right going down the, down the road and cars going down the left. So, and there's a lot of things to be looking at, but we did really well about just staying focused. And that was our, our main, main thing was we didn't need to waste any energy. We didn't, you know, we didn't need to be bucking. We didn't need to be doing any of that. And uh, they were really good about it. And we were blessed that uh, our training course that we had done all week ended up being the first loop um, that we got to ride. So the horses kind of, they really knew it already. And so when we got on the trail, and where we get to the first water crew section. And I remember it's dark, and so it's kind of cool still. And so, you know, we kind of do our little call for our crew, and it's like, okay, I don't think they're here. You know, we're just, like, keep trotting through all the people. And, uh, you know, just like, you know, people get out of the way. Here we come. You know, it's dark. Nobody else can see who you are, and so they're trying to figure out, is this our people? Is this our people? And so we make our way through the first and I radioed, not radioed, but I texted in and I said, Hey, pass the first water vet check. We'll see you at the next one. And so our crew got to the next one and, and, uh, they did really good handed us off waters and we were doing perfect. And so we get done with, we get in on the first loop and there's just lots of commotion. And I have a younger horse, like not, you're not too young, but he's younger to a big event. Let's put it that way. And, uh, he, with all that commotion, you know, he's looking around like, oh, what's going on? You know, and like sitting his heart rate at 68. And it's like, okay, dude, come on, focus down, focus down. And he finally focused and we were able to get him through, got all the horses through the first vet check. They all looked great. And we're like, okay, good. And uh, it took us a little longer than we thought to get him focused and 
to cool down, at least on him, his part anyways. And we were riding as a team right then, so we were waiting for him. And uh, so we didn't take our normal two to four minutes. It took us a little bit longer to get get him focused and get down. Um, the buckets were wonderful. They had lots of buckets at the vet check for us to use. Um, so we go out on the next loop, and we're doing really, really well. We're cruising on out there. And uh, my horses, they don't do the little bunny lope. We do long trotting and or galloping or cantering. Uh, some people, which whichever they like to call it. <laughs> and so, you know. During our long trotting, we're passing people when they're doing their little baby lope and they're looking down at you like, oh my gosh, you know, like, I'm like, well, this baby lope at seven miles an hour is not what my horses do. We could trot this fast. <laughs> and uh, so the second loop, we come on in and uh, we, you know, we slowed down just a little bit coming in because we thought, okay, maybe that'll help that one horse of ours. And uh, right then, there was a big group that came in behind us and just a lot of commotion going on and we're like, okay, dude, focus. And we kind of like decided, okay, you know, maybe you could get him focused. And we went and I went and trotted him, went and presented my horse, got him through uh, my mom's horse. They presented and they had her represent and she's kind of got a, a trot of I'm too sexy for my body trot. <laughs> That's how I'm going to put it. <laughs> and it's just, it was their preference on, um, they didn't like her trot, and so she got pulled for that. And my mom went over to the treatment barn and trotted in front of the treatment bed, and he's like, I'm sorry, but there's nothing wrong with your horse. And my mom's like, yeah, I know. So she kind of, it was just, you know, vets have their own opinion kind of thing, and so that was kind of really a bummer that she got pulled for that. Rose was just fine. And uh, so she did, like, stand in the treatment area for a little while, and she was acting like a dragon in there. And they're like, you're going to have to stand in there with her. And my mom's like, are you serious? Like, she's a dragon. <laughs> Why would I want to go in there right this second? You know, because, you know, she just lost all her friends. She's super hyper to go out again. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with her. Yeah. We're like, well, you know, I, I, you know, one of those is like, my horses are okay. And it's just like, dang, <laughs> stand still, girl. You're all right. And uh, then Rolo, he, he had his heart rate down when they went in and uh, when the lady was taking it, I think they hold the thing on for 45 minutes or 45 seconds to a minute. And he was, you know, he was at, he was at 52 when she first touched him and uh, he stretched out to go pee. He was doing great. Excuse me. I'm sorry for some reason. And, you know, all of a sudden he's just like, Oh gosh. You know, and he soon as got done peeing, you know, and he's like, oh, where did everybody go? And so he did like a, a call and a holler or whatnot. And so he busted his heart rate and that was a bummer. So he got pulled for not able to get his heart rate down. And it was like, oh man, can you not have taken just the first 16 seconds? Kind of thing. But they didn't allow that. And so then he had to go to the treatment barn and the vet was like, okay, um, what, what happened? Oh, okay. And, you know, checked the horse out and the horse was fine. He's like, okay. And that's when the two buddies got together and they were, they were fine. They went back to the, our original barn and, uh, I got to keep going, but I got my horse focused back in and he ate and drank. And, uh, one of the issues is I never had, it. Oh, not one of the issues. I've never had an issue of this horse peeing. He always peed. But with all that commotion, he forgot to pee halfway through the loop. And so when we go out on our throat loop, we're hauling butt around. He's doing his thing. He's feeling great. And like halfway through that loop, he's like, oh, did I stop, mom? And I was like, okay, what's up, man? And he's like, oh. 
And so what well, it is, is like a big litter box when you think about it. I mean, yes, <laughs> yes. And so he did stop, and I was like, okay, what's up, man? And I'm, you know, trying to read my horse. I'm like, okay, your heart rate's good. You don't feel too hot. What's going on? And he finally stretches out and goes pee. And I'm like, uh oh, did we hold it too long? And so we spent the next couple miles walking, walking a little belly cramp out. You know how the when horses hold their pee, they gotta get a little cramp. And so we're 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 walking that out. And at that time of the race, I think there's only 50 horses left. And I was in the first top 20. I was in the top 20 when I was out on that loop. So horses are going by and, you know, everybody's, are you okay? Yeah, I'm doing good. You got to walk this little, little out. And so I wasn't too worried. And I was like, okay, we're, we're early enough in the race that I can, well, not early, early, but we're enough of the race that I have time to walk this walk out. He wasn't lame or anything. Just get to walk that little, that little tummy ache out. And so we're walking out and we're doing good. And we have, we have uh, a steward car and like another veterinarian car and like a truck and trailer and some other cars. And uh, now the crew cars aren't allowed out on like follow you out on course. They're only allowed at the vet checkpoints. So these cars are official cars and whatnot that falling. And my horse is like, what, what are they doing? Like, like why are they right back behind me? Like 50 feet, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, it's okay, buddy. Let's keep going. And they get in off the course, you know, pulling these cars at this time because they are, like I said, riding right behind me. You know how horses are herd animals. And they're like, okay, what's going on? I mean, he, he usually goes down trail really well. But, I mean, when it, that course was, that loop was all, the uphill course the entire time. And so we were just trying to get through it. And we got, we came in and we got him cooled down, you know, in two, 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 seven minutes. It was, he was, he was good. And we got him bedded in. He looked good, and we're like, okay. And at that time, as I came in, I got uh, carded, not carded, I got a, my number came up, so I had to get weighed at that vet check, and then I had to also do the, the, uh, I, what is it, the foot, um, where they put the thing around your horse's foot to test it. I forgot what they called it right at the moment. The, the sensitivity test. The sensitivity okay. test. The okay. FBI sensitivity test. Um, you know, this horse, he usually doesn't want anybody else touching his legs. So I was a little worried about it. I was like, well, we've gone, we've gone 60 or 70 miles. I think he should be all right, I hope. <laughs> I thought to myself. And uh, the lady worked with him really well. And, and she did really wonderful. And he's, she's like, okay, he's good. And so then we were able to go back to our vet check and do his food and his drinking and cooling down. And... Uh, how hot that was, we were having to keep still, we had to keep like cold sponge water on his neck just to keep him cool. You know, everybody else was keeping their, the horses cool and stuff. And they made, you know, they made no fans were available and stuff like that. So, I mean, you were just able to only use water and whatnot. And uh, we're like, okay. So we kept him cool and we're like, okay, I think we're all right. And so we go out to where the, the big screen is, where it counts your seconds down. And we're like, all right. And he's sitting there and he's watching this horse go right out in front of us. This horse is like four or five seconds in front of us. And he starts loafing in place. And I was like, all right, we're going to be all right. We're going to be good. And he's like, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. And so we blast out of there about like three miles down the course. And that one horse turns the other way because the other horse is on the other loop. And I was like, okay, it's okay, buddy. And so we keep going down our trail. And all of a sudden the crew, the shit that the, the three vehicles show back up and my horse is like, okay. And so we have one car that's driving right by us. And I said, Hey, you need to either go on or 
stop where he can't see you at all because your guys are going to play a mental game on my horse. God, you don't and see so cars be- following on the Tevis loop, do you? Um. <laughs> no. Or on any other endurance It reminds me of the um, bike races you watch with the cars right there at the bike's uh-huh. butt, you know? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and so I'm like, my horse isn't used to be like pulling cars down trail one bit. And they just didn't understand. I was like, my horse is fine. You guys are mentally, you guys are playing mental games with my horse. You guys either need to go on and whatnot. And I'm trying to call back to the base camp to tell my ship key, hey, you need to try to get these cars off of me. Were were they spectators or who were they? No, no, it was a There was a steward out there. There was a a veterinarian, like, because of a vet out there, like a vet, like a vet steward or a vet official. Like first. Yeah, but I mean, any other endurance race I've ever seen, they're not driving around following the horses. Exactly. And that's what I was getting so mad about. Like, why aren't you following anybody else? Why are you following me? And, like the steward, he understood, so he left way in front. And he's like, "Okay, I'll I'll go way up here." But I couldn't get that that born to back off, and we finally got the truck and trailer to back off. I mean, I could still see it in the far back, of my, you know, when I turned my head around, but the other car would not get out of sight of my horse. You know, we had the little rolling hills there was around the corners, but I mean, he could always see that car. And so that loop was so hot. Like, my butt was hot in the saddle. That's how hot this loop got. And I was like, <laughs> man, I'm just, like, trying to get to water point to water point. But pulling these cars really is really struggling on my horse's mental. And I don't know. I told him again. And by the end of the loop, I waved him back up here. And I said, okay, you're really struggling with my horse. Like, because I, I was just, like, we're wasting time out here. Because I couldn't get – my horse didn't want to trot because he, he was like, hey – why can't I just wait for these cars, you know, or like, well, why, 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 why am I pulling these cars? I mean, I, I feel for him really. And I'm just like, finally I was able to get this guy and he drove, he would drive 200 yards and stop. And I was like, okay, well, that's like kind of what I wanted. I wanted you to like, keep going a little further, like get out of sight. And so my horse is, and so the couple of times he did get out of sight, my horse perked up and we loped some more and trotted some more. I was like, okay, cool. And, and all of a sudden, the car would be back behind us. I don't, I don't know how it kept always being behind me. And so that just really pulled a lot of mentally struggle on him. And so I got into the vet check, and I knew I had two more loops, 12-mile loops to go. And I was like, we're going to have to do these loops super fast. But these cars don't understand what they're doing to him. And we passed the vet check. We go over, he does his thing, he, he's a champ of eating and drinking, and so made sure his mash was all, his food and his hay was all uh, wet and stuff, so he had lots of water going in. And uh, we, the, that loop uh, has a inve- or an inspection or a, a, a two, presents, or two presentations, so we had to go back and present before we go out. And so we took him back over there, and I presented him. He looked really, really well, and I decided to retire him due to the fact that the speed that we were going to have to do to finish in time. And, um, it was, it was, he, he was mentally exhausted is what mm-hmm. happened to my horse. And so that was a really bummer. I, you know, I got a real emotional about it because, you know, my horse, he, he was going to be able to do good. I mean, like I said, I was racing up there in the top 20, he's doing great. And, you know, we could have pulled back through the, the P, the P thing. We could have pulled through that and stuff, but, we just couldn't pull through pulling cars down the trail. We just couldn't. 
And so that was kind of a really bummer about that part. Were, and, were uh, the cars following everybody? No, no, unless you're in the front, but the cars were like zooming in there and they're coming back. They weren't just dogging behind your horse the entire time. Yeah. Weird. I kind of got, I, I kind of got yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that was the biggest bummer about. And it is funny, but the little things that if horses aren't used, I mean, they see cars all the time, right? Um, yeah. But the little things that they're not used to in a race will will throw you. Well, through you too, yeah. through you mentally, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like <clears throat> wow. Like I didn't realize, you know, I'm like dang, you're pulling this car through the desert. Like it would be like the one of the, a horse sitting back there, um, fifty yards. You know how horses want to wait first wait for that horse or whatnot. Well, these cars were doing the same thing, pulling them back. He was still going forward, but, you know, just not as... Well, and there aren't too many rides in this country where a car could follow anyway. So, I mean, it's like (laughs) a whole different world. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry that happened to you guys. I'm sorry that happened to you guys. I mean, that just sucks. We got to compete, and we got to have fun, and we and then got to there were one, learn things. There was so. one rider from the United States that finished, right? Yes, she finished in just the nick of time. Mm-hmm. Cheryl Van Dusen ended up finishing. Um, yes. and, and as you said, it was such a low finish rate, even for a World Equestrian Games. That's pretty low. Um, yes, yeah. yeah. That, it just mm-hmm. tells you how difficult the day was. Yeah, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, when I first saw World Equestrian Games start for endurance, I was shocked because it was like you guys are riding a hundred miles and it looks like a NASCAR start. Uh, When you all hit the first corner, half of you're going to wipe out. It just is at a dead run. With you're right, and the other thing that that surprised me too, and and it came through with what you said, is when you get to the bed, it's craziness. I mean, it's just a lot, especially at that level. There's so much activity yeah. and so much noise. I, I, I was yeah. surprised at the noise at the vet checks at the higher level like that. Yeah, drones flying above your head, the speakers going on and off. Yeah, it was like, okay, all right, well, we know what to practice with. <laughs> and, flying around. and the grooms from other countries, I won't say which ones, but the grooms from other countries tend to be loud, too. So it was, yeah. there just seems to be screaming. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. It was absolutely, I was dumbfounded the first time I watched a World Equestrian Games endurance race. I was just, yeah. I, I, it blew me away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. a whole different world. <laughs> it is, it is. And it's one of those, we had, we, you know, we had two horses out of three that did really well with all that noise and one wasn't. It was like, hey, what, what can we do for next time? And so we have some homework to do and whatnot. And so that's what we're going to plan on doing and seeing what the cards fall again in our hands for 2024. Well, look at it this way. You got an experience. Uh, Jessica, how old yeah. are you? Can I ask? I'm 30. I turned 30 while I was headed to Abu Dhabi. Oh, well, happy birthday. And look, at 30 years yeah. old, you've been to a World Equestrian Games. You've been to Abu Dhabi now once or twice, actually. Um, yeah. And you, you've had all these experiences, and someday you'll be able to tell your grandchildren about this story. <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, how many people get to do that? So congratulations on being there. And Karen, of course, um, you know, yeah. she, she was there as well. She was supposed to be on the call here today, but we missed her. So, um you know, did I'm sure that she was proud of you too. Oh yes, definitely. Everybody was pretty proud of I spent all year working on these three horses and and they did what we wanted them to do. Unfortunate events happened, but we've gotten there. 
Well, and you had three yeah. horses. It's worth a question, Kansas. Yes. Again, there's yes. that. So. Yes, I had three horses. <laughs> yep, it was. It was. <laughs> Well, I was excited and happy for him. A lot to be proud of. Well, yeah. well, congratulations on getting there and having the experience. And I'm sure that the next time will be better. As again, you know, now, you know, when you're going to show in that part of the world, in the Middle East, it's going to be different, right? And yes. you just, yeah. I guess, I don't know how you train for that, to be honest, other than ride through the middle of the desert in Nevada with cars chasing you. I don't know how you yes, train for exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and hope for always hot here. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. in the middle of summer. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us and giving us the lowdown of what happened. Yeah, thanks, Jessica. All right. Have a good day. Bye, Jessica. You too. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. That's what it was like over there. Wow. (laughs) Have you ever had that before? (laughs) Not usually. No, I, I do remember like on one of the XPs riding across like Nebraska or Kansas and the Like the mail truck would speed by us. (laughs) Yeah, but that's different than being (laughs) on a dirt road. Yeah, but yeah, that that is different. But but yeah, and it does take away the focus of you and your horse. I mean, I just pictured the Tour de France with those cars right behind the riders doing (laughs) forty miles an hour. You know, right? (laughs) How is everybody not dying here? (laughs) But over there, it's so wide open and flat. You know, there were probably cars all over the place, chasing horses. Exactly. Um, And, you know, were they doing that on purpose? Hmm, Who knows? You know, so, you know, I don't know. Uh, Think what you want to think about that. But it's, yeah, just, it's a little bit different than uh, the, you know, American style endurance where we're on the side of a mountain on a yes. single track trail. Yeah, right. It's a whole, can follow you. whole lot yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad she got to join us and tell us about that. And we're sorry. We start, we're sorry we missed her mom. Karen was supposed to be on too, but she got busy here. So um, she she has called back since. So uh, uh, I'm sorry we, we missed her today. Now, we have a virtual ride that's opening before we wrap up the show. And by the way, auditors, we will have a post show for you today. Karen found out something about her history and family that we want to talk about. Um, so what's what's up with the virtual ride? We have the virtual Tevis coming up, which for some of us, that's probably the only type of Tevis we're going to get to do <laughs> due to the crazy weather systems and winter that we're having. Um, the virtual Tevis ride entries open for registration on Monday, March 27th, and your miles will start to count on April 19th. And in order to participate, you need to sign up, and the money you pay goes to the Western States Trail Foundation, which um, will help them with their trail maintenance and other expenses that they have in order to keep the ride going. And you need to do 100 miles in 100 days, and they don't care how you do it with your horse. You can walk, ride, whatever it is, however you want to do it. So, um, and then once you complete your 100 miles, you will earn a t-shirt as a completion award. So uh, just go to the um, Western States Trail or just Google the Tevis Cup ride and you will easily find their website and um, go to their Facebook page. Do they use a specific app to do the tracking? They do, and you can go and you can log in um, 
physically you can enter your miles or you can just upload your GPS tracks from whatever app you might use. Okay. You so can you use, use multiple different yeah. ride with GPS or um, a Garmin or anything like that. You can just directly upload your miles and it will keep track. And uh, this is something um, that Jennifer and Nigel should do. I should, I'm going to mention this to her. She should. Yeah. yeah. I think it'd yeah. be fun to have the goal anyway. Right. Um, it is. Yeah. And, and, and it gets you out there like last winter. Um, I was still leading cause I had just gotten Jovi over, um, healing from the sarcoid that he had and we were getting going finally. Yay. And so we were doing a lot of actual hand walking around the neighborhood, which as it turned out, that was perfect because so many of my neighbors have yard arc and windmills and all sorts of stuff. And by exposing him to all of that, it um, actually helped train him a lot so that um, I was actually able to safely ride him through two parades last year. Yay. And you were fit too. So there's that. <laughs> yes, exactly. It gives you a goal, a purpose. You, you know, even if the endurance rides you're trying to get to get canceled or, or you're not really getting enough conditioning um, because of the weather this year and the trail conditions, um, you can get out and do the virtual Tevis ride. And do it your way, however you choose to get the miles. Very good. Wait, and of course, you can find all the rides in your area at aerc.org. Aerc.org. We'll put all the links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. Auditors, hold on for a post show. I can't wait to talk to Karen about this. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. But otherwise, you can find all the past episodes of the Endurance episode by going to horsesinthemorning.com, scrolling down the middle of the page, click on the Endurance banner there, and it'll bring up all the past episodes. Karen, where can people find you? Um, just go to NV Endurance Rider. NV on, uh, Endurance Rider. Yeah. On Facebook? Uh-huh. Yep. All right. Very good. Or Twitter. All right. Take care. Time for the Auditor Post Show. We want to remind you that this is not always safe for work or the kiddos. Thanks for hanging around for our nonsense. This will probably be safe for work today. I think you're probably okay there. So we shouldn't swear a lot about Karen's family. Or maybe we will. <laughs> so this is uh, this has nothing to do with horses, but tell us what happened. So I get an instant message, a uh, private message sent from somebody, and I'm thinking, oh, is it spam? Should I even look at it or answer it? And as it turned out, it is a cousin of mine from my uncle, and I now have found, uh, well, more than two family members that are first cousins and first cousin one time removed. Um, but actually, there's like seven, eight of them. And you didn't know about these people? Didn't know. Nobody in the family knew. So uh, this gal was born and and she thinks that I'm her aunt and that um, and I'm thinking, no, I'm pretty sure my mom didn't have another baby in 1973. So as it turned out, it was my uncle <laughs> who had a baby in 1973. And 
And then uh-huh. that baby went on to have seven children. Oh, wow. You have a lot of relatives you didn't know about. <laughs> and, and exactly. And then some of them now have had children. And the one I've been conversing with ended up adopting two children from her sister, who would have also been a cousin to me, when that sister got murdered in Florida in 2019. Her yeah. whole family got murdered. Wow. And so it's like, oh, wow. You know, so all this stuff is going on. And so then I get in touch with another cousin of mine that I knew was a cousin, except that years ago, it was decided that she wasn't really my cousin from another uncle, that the mother had, her mother had had an affair and she was born from the affair and basically disowned from the family. And then she decided a couple years ago to do her DNA test. And it turned out, ta-da, she really was my uncle's oh my daughter God. for real after all of this. You know what so, I have always said, because I was a financial planner for a long time, dealt with families. I always said every family's fucked up. <laughs> this just goes to prove it. <laughs> Well, you know, and you're you're sitting here thinking about the DNA, you know, you're doing the DNA. So let's get this right. She was told for the basically ostracized from the time she was born because she was thought to be uh, an affair baby. And 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 she wasn't. And back then they didn't do DNA yet. No, No. So, but she... She came out looking unlike any everybody else in the family was basically blonde and blue eyed. Oh, so they definitely thought it was out, the mailman or the milkman, she, huh? She came out <laughs> dark skinned, olive skinned, and the mother even admitted to having an affair. Oh. And everybody believed she really wasn't my uncle's daughter. And uh, he's passed away, the grandparents, everybody's passed away. And oh, so, so she can't even rub it in their faces? That's too no. bad. <laughs> and it's yeah, so so these things happen. I'm sure there's all sorts of skeletons coming out. And then I got another one from the other side of the family. The lady messages me and she's like a first cousin two times removed or whatnot. Um and she found out after her parents had passed away, she did her DNA and found out that her father really wasn't her father. <laughs> oh man, that's the problem with these DNA tests. Is she probably oh would have just rather not know. <laughs> I, I know. Well, and and she did say that you know her her father that raised her. As far as she was concerned, he will always be her father, yeah. and he passed away believing that and not knowing any different. And we're still related. I wonder if he knew any different through the mother. Um, yeah, you, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, he may and, not have known either. And it might have been a li- this relates to the other one. This is the opposite of the other one. <laughs> I know it is. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I did find one. Um, and I already knew I had horses in my background, but my great, great grandfather or great, 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 I guess it's second great grandfather served in the civil war in the ninth cavalry for the union army in new york and what's really cool is when i first started tracing some of my ancestry a few years ago um you know it was interesting um but now they have added so much more like if you go on to ancestry.com or 
um, the MyHeritage or some of the other sites, there's so much more information out there that you can find. Like I was able to find this great, great grandfather and all the battles he served in. And, and it would, and it shows you how many died from battle or from sickness or from accidents and more of the soldiers died from accidents and sickness than they did from battle. And it's literally like a miracle that he survived or that I'm even here because he was in a long list of battles where most everybody didn't make it for one reason or another. So the, it's, uh, yeah. And what was his uh, severance pay? What did you tell me? He, he, yes, he ended up getting a pension for serving in the war of $15 a month. And that was the Civil War. That was the Civil War in the 1860s. Wow. Yeah. So, huh. yeah. <laughs> but but there's neat stuff. So, if any of you have done your ancestry or um, traced some of your roots and stuff and you um, haven't done it recently, go check back in right now. I guess they are having a sale on DNA um, and they're doing more stuff that will um, allow you to match to more people in your tree. Um, but also there's a lot Only more if you really want to. <laughs> I know you may not want to know what you might find out. <laughs> like oh maybe you really aren't related. And, and if you all have <laughs> or, families and you're going, my family is the exception because they're so screwed up. Nope. All families are screwed up. <laughs> We're all screwed up. I know I've got both extremes on each side. It's kind of, kind of, kind of crazy. Families are just messy. Well, yeah, and you know, I wonder how many skeletons are in people's closets that. Well, everybody just, has them, right? I mean, door, every human right? walking has one or two. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and you know whether you die with them or not. You know, that's the question, I guess. Right, and I've got some dead ends where I can only go back, like um, you know, past the great great grandparents and then it's a dead end my dad was really into this i never was you know i i didn't like my grandparents very much there was one grandfather that i liked the rest of them you know on both sides Uh i didn't like them you know they were drunks or whatever and i just didn't like them you know as kids we didn't spend much time with them and we didn't get to know them really and when we did it wasn't pleasant so right so i really had no interest in ancestry because it's like i don't like them anyway (laughs) i gotcha yeah i had one great grandmother that i did know um and she did not like kids and so we weren't allowed to speak to her or be around her <laughs> there, there you we, go. Were, we were sent outside the kids were to go and do their own thing and uh, only speak when spoken to and that sort of thing so so i get some other generations may not have actually got to know some of their old more elderly people and times were a lot tougher you know back you know if you, if you go back 60 80 100 years ago so um but but there is some neat, interesting stuff to find. Um, there, you know, like I said, they've added so much new information. All, all the census information has now been added. A lot of the Civil War, World War One. One other thing I found that was very, very interesting: all the men in my family on both sides, all were drafted in World War Two, and the ones alive back. For World War One, they all got draft cards. Hmm. Interesting. So, um, you know, it, it was a different time. You well, know, you kind of wonder what would happen today if they 
Now I have to ask, uh, were your parents your parents or... uh... Yeah. Okay. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. You checked out. So it was just the cousins that had problems. (laughs) That poor woman, I feel so bad for her. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, luckily my parents appear to actually be my parents. (laughs) But I (laughs) mean, your cousin who was ostracized, I feel so bad for her. I know. How do you deal with that in your head? Right. Oh, know. it's hard. It's well, hard. And then the yeah. other one. How do you deal with that in your head? That's <laughs> I mean, like you find out your dad's not really your dad. Uh, yeah, I know. After you're sixty years old, <laughs> kind uh, of a kind of kind of strange, you know. Yeah, because I'm thinking, oh, what? Well, it's just going to be kind of boring, normal, everyday stuff. We're not. We're not going to have anything like that. Hello. <laughs> where, where people, well, the big surprise was the one cousin that really was related that yes. doesn't look like anybody else. And that so, happens in families all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's well, in, there you go. So, There's your uh, yeah, family history it. lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that everybody out there that started to look into DNA have these stories too. So uh, that's interesting. You know, it, we love that uh, PBS show. What's it called? Oh, right. Uh, yes. Where they go and yes. investigate celebrities? somebody's what's celebrities. Um, finding Your Roots. We love like Finding that. Your yeah. Roots. Uh, yeah. That's a great show. The guy's good on there, too. And uh, Right. Yeah, I, I love that show because they. I love seeing celebrities surprised on what their ancestry is, good or bad, right? I know. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> huh. Well, thank you, Karen, for sharing that. That's interesting. If you all have had those interesting stories in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Amazing. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you. Congratulations. You made it through another post show. Thank you for all your support. Now, go ride your horse.